Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 19. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Today's episode is a discussion that I recently had with my co-hosts, James Sumners and Sam Dominguez. This discussion begins by talking about why we're often more concerned about earthly politics than we are the kingdom of God. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your life. And now let's jump right into that discussion. We get so caught up in the kingdoms of this world and politics, and we get so worried. And that, you know, it bothers me in myself, and it bothers me in when I see that in my brethren that are despondent, that are worried to an unhealthy level by what they see on the news and what they hear on talk radio or whatever the case may be or what they read online, because all of their hopes, all of their their dreams, all of their whatever, is it, it, it is so tied to what happens to this nation. And I know that probably Christians in other countries feel the same way, um, but I haven't been there. I've only been here. And so um, I just know that that we get we get so worried. And I don't know, well, I don't know if we want to talk about this or not, but um, I mean, I've gotten to the point where this election, it's like, I don't really want any either of the two front runners to get it. I don't care. You know, I mean, obviously, I think one is better than the other, but but I, I'm, I'm to the point where it's like, hmm, I don't know. I, I would hate either option. So it, it's not that I don't care, because I do. I care very deeply about people's souls, and, and I care about what might happen to this country. I, I, I care about my countrymen. But, but to a certain extent, it's, it's kind of like when the Cowboys started losing a few years ago. Started losing. Wait, no, that's not true. But, um, you know, <laughs> I was watching a game, and I, I, I said, man, if we throw away this lead tonight, I, I'm just not going to care anymore. And and it wasn't that I didn't watch them anymore. It wasn't that I, I wasn't happy when they won. But I just, you know, kind of stopped being so caught up in it and and stopped letting it, letting it affect who I was and how I thought and how I felt. And we get so, we get so enamored and in love with and tied to this physical reality that it it just weighs on us and in, in in a good way and in a bad way sometimes. Well, I mean, that, that just makes me think about, uh, you know, the admonition about uh, where, where we store up our treasures, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that we invest our passions and, and not just our monetary selves and our time, but, but the very fiber of our being, we, we put more energy and passion and, and mental energy and physical energy into these these meaningless pursuits of entertainment of one kind or another to the fact that that you know an unrelated group of people playing a game somewhere can ruin my day here and make me not treat my children right or my spouse right and I can then take that bad attitude and I bring it into the worship service and I don't uh, treat God properly and just there's all manner of things because where my passion is is that I have invested it into this nonsense, this absolutely meaningless nonsense. And while it's easy to sit back and then proclaim that, well, yeah, okay, sports and movies and entertainment and what like that is, yeah, sure, that's nonsense. We can all recognize that, even though 
you know, some people might argue with that. It's a whole other thing to say. And, and you know what? Um, our politics is nonsense. Our government is nonsense. All, all these other kinds of things in the sense that if we invest our passions so much into those things that we make it perfectly clear that we are more invested and more interested and more concerned with those things than we are with the kingdom of God, then we have no basis upon which to wonder why God's promises don't seem to be working out for us. Well, because we are not invested in the kingdom. We are not seeking first his kingdom. We are putting everything we have into something else. And that is, that's the exact opposite of trusting in God and depending on his promises and waiting on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to a certain degree, we kind of like to, you know, uh, you know, here's God and uh you know here's his creation we like to invest in his creation james is holding his hands yes up. um <laughs> so like i'm doing camera. hand gestures um <laughs> but we we invest in god's creation um f- and for ourselves um and 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 yet all of all of the things that we invest our time in the you know um uh, and, and all of the things that we do um they're short of god um, uh, again, I was we were t- I was talking about uh, Psalms 33, and it it talks about it, it's a nice series and a, a, a thought process that that it goes through, and it, it talks about praise God. Then it talks about how everything that God does is stands firm. It is firm. His and, and those who inherit from God, their their what they inherit is secure. And then it goes on to say. Um, um, and man, what does he do? Well, he trusts in his army. And what does his army do? His army fails. I mean, what, is, what does the man do? He, he trusts in his strength. And it goes on and, and says all these things, and they all fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but those who wait on the Lord, those, they will be delivered. I mean, and that's, that's the thing that we, 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 we can think that way. But living that, we like to think it's harder than it is. That way we have an excuse not to, to say, you know what, it's actually easier to just trust in God instead of setting up something between me and God that makes it easier for me to think that I'm following God. We like to put something in between us like a priest. We like to put something in between us like a doctrine that says, that is how I follow God, rather than just follow God. What was it, Chesterton that said, uh, uh, it's not that God's plan has been... Uh uh, tried and failed, but it has been found difficult and untried, mm-hmm. left untried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where we spend so little effort trying God's way because we're so convinced. Well, that that which oh, that's so difficult. That's so this. That's so. And like so many other things in life, we end up spending more time and energy fiddling around with the wrong way of doing things than it would take to simply do it right. Then it would simply take to be God's people the way he intended us to be. Um, it, it's, I guess, I guess maybe the way you're, you're making me think about it here is it's, it's not as hard to be God's people as we think that it is, but it is hard to tear ourselves away from the world. Mm-hmm. And the reason that people find it consistently hard to be God's people is because they never completely tear themselves away from the world. They try and tread this little line so that the world is always within arm's reach instead of just go through the difficulty, go through the the pain of tearing yourself loose from the clutches of this world, and then walk with God. 
And walking with God becomes easier day by day. Just as your faith grows, as you realize the promises of God, and yet we're, we're not actually pulling away. We're trying to just walk the crevice, and it's like, well, I'm not going to fall in, but I'm not going to walk over here in safety either, just so that we can, for some silly reason, keep danger close by. Mm-hmm. And then we wonder, well, well, Lord, it's so difficult. He said, well, I didn't tell you to walk on the edge, did I? I told you to walk away. Mm-hmm. Well, and we, there's so there's so many facets to this discussion. You know, we we have a tendency to to want everything that's if it's sin well then we won't do that but but if you can't tell me where it's sin well then then i'm going to invest myself in it fully and it's like wait we're told not only to uh, what is it hebrews chapter 12 you know to to throw off everything to the sin and everything that so that weighs us down that entangles us that that, that that encumbrance yeah exactly and so we we have to get rid of even the things that aren't necessarily sinful mm-hmm. but that are we have a tendency to make into idols to make into ultimate things that say i can't i can't live without that 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 that's an ultimate thing in my life and and the more i've started to think of and i think it came from timothy keller's book but um that idea of of a good thing into an ultimate thing, the more I've thought about idols in that t- in that sense, it's really helped me to identify those in my life and to come to grips with the fact that the more we love something, the harder it is not to make it an ultimate thing. I mean, I love my family, uh, but the more that I think I, I've got to have them in my life, the the more they become an idol. And you know, but but things like things like politics, things like our our political party or our candidate or our country or whatever. And we think we think, but ours is different. Mine is different. My country is different than other countries before. We're not like Babylon. We're not like Rome. We're not like Assyria. And the truth is, we're exactly like the we, we are a secular the United States of America as good as it might be it, it has some good qualities it has some bad qualities it is what it is but but the truth of the matter is it's no different than Colombia or Bolivia or Par- well whatever it, it, it does it doesn't even matter because the United States or any other country at their very best at the very pinnacle of what they could be is still just nothing it is a shadow it is worthless mm-hmm. in comparison to the kingdom of God we've been invited into the kingdom of God why would we then cling to this thing that even at its best is going to fail us mm-hmm. and yet, we know that it's not going to be at its best. Not only is it not going to be at its best, it's going to be at its worst most of the time. Mm-hmm. And yet we're going to invest ourselves into the, that and reject the kingdom of God. Why do we do these silly things? Because I don't think we think that we're do, we're rejecting. I think that we are. We think we can have both. And that's where Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love God and money. You'll either hate the one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. And it's like... Yeah, but this is different. I can have two masters. I can have two kingdoms. I can have two citizenships, and I can love both equally, and, and it's okay. I'm not sinning. See, that that's that's a fascinating thing because we, we look at that passage where it says you'll love one and despise the other, and it is so easy from the individual's perspective to say, no, 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 no. My love and passion for this does not mean I despise this. Mm-hmm. And it's all these shades of gray, and it's this gradient, and it, you know, it's like, well, it, it's up here, but you're just right here behind it, so mm-hmm. you're really close, and all that kind of stuff. And then all we have to do is look at our children and look at any child that has been set aside for work or for some other personal pursuit or passion or anything like that, anything that we can justify in our minds. And that child doesn't think, oh, but daddy almost loves me as much. No, he thinks 
you despise him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see that whole stair step of gray that we try to place in, in between. And of course, we look at that and say, oh, well, that's just because he's mature. And no, that's because he sees through. He sees the truth. The truth of the matter is loving one does lead you to do things that are indistinguishable from despising the other. Mm-hmm. And when we honestly look at it, if we honestly looked at the amount of time, energy, and passion that we invest into all of these earthly things, and then what's the first thing that we say when we come into the worship service and the preacher says, you know, you need to be reading more, you need to be studying, we need to be singing more, we need to be, oh, how do you find the time for doing that? Mm-hmm. How do you find that time? I, I loved the, the uh, article, I, actually it wasn't an article, I guess it was a radio broadcast that my dad did uh, several weeks ago about finding the time. And it's just the entire point of it was, you're never going to find the time. You have to decide to make the time. And the way that you make the time is by deliberately, purposefully limiting the time that you spend in something else. Mm -hmm. You look at some other aspect of your life and say, you know what? Work, you don't get that time. You know what? Family play, entertainment, you don't get that time. The Lord gets that time. I'm going to set aside that for him first. And that's always the problem. Whenever we look back at our lives and we say, well, I don't have time for this. Where is the time for that? I say, well, it's right there, and you spent it. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back and spend it differently, that's a decision you have to make. You know, and, and the whole idea with with uh, with our the things that we get excited about with uh, politics and whatnot, um, it's just it's getting it's it's putting hooks in our heart. It's it's rending us and tearing the joy from our our souls on things that. The things that are not of a spiritual nature themselves, in 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 their in the things that really get us excited. Now there may be there may be policies and and things that are going on that that tear our soul because they are in their in their essence against God and they 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 break your heart. And that's 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 right. That is good because we recognize the difference between good and evil and we see these bad things happening. But at the same time. Again, the investing into something like our our government to the extent of which we where where if it doesn't perform the way that we desire for it to, that that it changes how we're able to glorify God. You look at Daniel, men like Daniel, men like Isaiah and and Jeremiah. Poor Jeremiah. I mean, I mean, he his heart was rented. But this is the people of God, and it's more like if if we were seeing the elders of our congregations um, leading the people away, that's what what Jeremiah is facing is is trying to say, no, this is the way of God. This is the way of God. Um, that's less of a political thing than more of a spiritual thing. But but we want to make the political so important and. And like so many other things, I mean, we could pick, we could come up with a bunch of different things to, to talk about, but when we allow things from the world that may nece- may in some sense be good for us to concern ourselves with or be involved in, when we let the hooks get in our heart, then those things can uh, detract from our ability to glorify God and praise Him. Isn't that interesting? If, if you took a Christian who's anger, passion, joy, you name it, about something happening in politics was so great, and you simply asked them, when was the last time you felt anything close to that about something happening in your church family? 
as part of the assembly. Were you as upset when the church was going astray? Did it hurt as bad when someone fell away? Did you have that much joy when someone was baptized and and entered into the kingdom? No. Because, the you know, yeah, that's church stuff, and that's great for church stuff, but you don't understand how important this is, you know. Uh, when when we were preparing all of the uh, uh, teacher materials and outlines for our, our current study in the book of Acts, it was, it was just so fascinating to look at that, not from all the just the typical ways we look at it in how we defend you know the salvation process and this and that and the other thing, but instead looking at it and analyzing the establishment of the kingdom and the changes people went through because now they were a part of the kingdom and the lifestyle that they entered into because they were part of the kingdom and to recognize that all of this happened under the thumb of Rome, under the thumb of an oppressive government. And yet we like to look at our circumstance and act like, well, if I don't care just as much about the outcome of our government events and our politics and our elections and all this kind of stuff, the church can't possibly survive. That's why it's so important that I invest in these other things. And we say, no, not only can the church survive, the church was founded, the kingdom was established and it underneath a, and, and thrived. Yeah grew to the point where it upended it that it, what did they say it was turning the world upside down that mm-hmm. all happened underneath not only just an oppressive government but one of the singularly most oppressive governments because it was so powerful and so widespread and yet that was not of concern mm-hmm. to these people because they got granted the keys to the kingdom and think about and and I'll be real controversial now but but think about how many christians who even right now would say if our government gets any worse then we should take up arms and we should you know i hear i hear texans you know talk about seceding all the time you know and and we, we should just secede we'll just build a wall around texas da, 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 da. um isn't it interesting that that was never the discussion for the kingdom in in rome i mean you know you've got all throughout the roman empire you've got little outposts of the kingdom of god and and the government both the local governments spurred on by the jews in those local communities and then eventually the central government and from from the emperor himself started to persecute christians and never once do you have paul or the apostles or anybody else saying okay fine we can't we can't have this anymore so it's time to take up our swords and shields and uh, and go to war against rome that was that was the zealots idea in jerusalem and that's exactly what Jesus said. Nope, that's not how the kingdom of God is going to be. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, and so we we have this this idea. But but I think you know another aspect I think of this is that I think we have a tendency to, and I, I'm not sure why, but we we have a tendency to be spectators. You know, it's one thing to to sit and watch a, a football game or to. Uh, watch politics unfold on on the news and and be passionate about it and be in a sense invested in it but not really i mean when i say we won the game today you know it's like did you win or did the team win you know you weren't really participating in that we we like to be spectators and but but the kingdom of god is not a spectator sport we're a- asked to participate and so we're we're asked to live out 
these kingdom principles to to love our enemies, to spread the gospel, to um, you know to to share as we have with others that don't have, and all of these things that we find in the New Testament laid out for us. It's one thing to sit back and say, well, our country is just going to pot. This world is going to pot, you know, and, and everything's just falling apart. It's, it's another thing to say, you know what, there are people in my community that need to hear the gospel, or there are poor people in my congregation that I could feed, or I could put a roof over their head or clothes on their back, or there are, are children that need to be adopted, or whatever the case may be. It's one thing to sit and just complain about the way things are. It's another thing to just do what your hands find to do and do it with all your might. You know, in this morning in, in our class, we were in Acts chapter 3 into 4. But um, one of the things that, oh, you know, at the beginning of that passage, um, they, or the passage that we read, um, they uh, Peter and John uh, heal um, the man who's lame. And, uh, all, and it says all the people were in wonder. And then they talked to him and said, hey, look, you know, more or less, you know what's happening. You, you've you heard. You've seen all the wonders. You know what this is all about. The kingdom has come. And and then we look at that and we say, well, well, but they had miracles. And we'll say, don't, don't you understand that people, when, when Christians shine the light of Christ, they're in wonder. They're confused. And they don't understand. Why? Because it's not, that's not of this world. If we would live out our lives like Christ and and be be the different the different oddball unusual people who don't make any sense because they're so loving and kind despite what anybody does that is the miracle if if one is needed that is the sign if if one is needed that uh, of who who we are if we live that way People will, will want to hear. They will they will understand that when we speak, we're not speaking out of a, a motive to deceive or to to enrich ourselves or whatever. They'll see it's like these people love their God and they trust in their God. They believe in their God. Their hope is in their God and they love. They love un, unlike anybody else. And all of that takes place first in the kingdom mm-hmm. among the people who are in the kingdom you know it, it, it's going back to what you said at the beginning about how it's not as hard as we try and make it out to be you know when we talk about uh you know loving other people to such a great extent the first thing that your mind goes to is well i'm supposed to love my enemies and all oh, that, that is so hard to be loving to this person that hates me and this and that and the other and and we can be honest with ourselves and say okay yeah that's hard but are you loving your brother <laughs> Are you loving your brother in the kingdom who loves you back? Because for the most part, we're not doing that either. We're saying, no, no, no. The furthest extreme that I might maybe someday be called to do in the name of God is going to be really difficult. So I'm going to use that as an excuse not to do the simplest little thing, which is to love back the brother who loves me in the kingdom that no one has to see, that no one is going to criticize but I'm not even doing that. I'm not even taking the smallest step in the way that God wants me to live, let alone making it so far down the path that I would be doing something held up for public ridicule that was so amazing and brought awe to people's eyes. But we're never going to achieve those heights of glory for God if we're not ever going to take those little steps. But it's so much easier. It is so much easier to say, but you know what? If I support a government that takes care of those sick people, Okay, 
I, I'm done with that. And if I make sure that, well, you know, I give my money to the church and then the church is supposed to do something about, you know, you know mm-hmm. and it's just all these different ways to disassociate ourselves from tasks that are intended to be personal tasks. Everything is supposed to be personal, but it's so much easier to just step back and say, well, you know, I did my part. I, I wore the T-shirt to show that I'm a fan. So I get the credit for being on the field mm-hmm. without actually having to be in shape enough to go down on the field. Mm-hmm. It's not the way the kingdom works. And, and you know, and when you said that personal, I, it made me think of, of something I was thinking of this morning when we were talking about all of these things. But um, there's a difference between personal and privatized. And that's what we've wanted to make all of our generosity, all of our Christian living. It's like, don't ask me about or get involved in whether or not I'm, you know, I mean, you want to offend Christian people, talk about money, you know, and how people give. But but it was very obvious, you know, in the what was going on in the Jerusalem church, who was giving what? I mean, we're family. And so it, it's not this, well, that's between me and God. You know, that's between me and God. Yeah, I'm, I'm generous, but that's between me and God. You know, and so um, they were living in this community where where they shared and they were open. And it, it's like a family. But we have we have gotten where our personal deeds are our private deeds. Our, our, our religion is something that's very privatized and individual. And so we come here to the church building, we sing together, we pray together, we whatever, and then we go our separate ways. We put money in the plate. We want that to be given. And if I give something, then, then, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with you. You, you keep your nose out of my business. Somebody asked this morning, you know, if the, if the church was really taking care of each other's needs, the way that we were supposed to, because, I mean, according to Acts chapter 4, if we were living out kingdom principles, there shouldn't be poor people in the kingdom of God. We ought to be taking care of not only our local community, but, you know, Paul took up took up collections so that he could support, you know, the poor, those that had experienced the famine in Jerusalem. And so they were taking he funds. took up a collection from poorer Christians right. to support Christians who normally weren't poor. Exactly. And, and so... Somebody asked this morning, well, what do we do when people take advantage of that? I said, that's exactly what Second Thessalonians talks about in that you discipline them and, and you tell them, I'm sorry, you don't work. That, that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. We are generous and we work hard and we share and that's what we do. And if you can't be a part of that by doing your part, then you're not living out kingdom principles, either because of your lack of generosity or you're trying to mooch off the system. And and that's just not going to happen. But because we have so privatized everything, we said, well, I'm going to keep my generosity and my discipline and everything else to myself. And you just stay out of my business. I'll stay out of your business. And we've become very American in that. But that's not kingdom mentality. Well, and I'll tell you where that started, because we were discussing this uh, last week, uh, me and a deacon and, and one of the teachers after our discussion in Acts. And it really started with an effort to protect people's pride, which is so absurd because of our opinions about pride in the church. But that's exactly where it started, because what it really came down to was, here's this brother who's in need. Well, I'm not going to make things even worse by making it public knowledge that he's in need. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it even worse by embarrassing him about the fact that he needs help in this situation. So we're going to do this all under the table. And you know what? I'm not going to make you uncomfortable by letting anyone know that you took care of his need. So we're going to keep that secret, too, mm-hmm. so that we can protect your humility. And over here, we can protect his pride. And all of it is for naught. Mm-hmm. 
And most of the time we look around and say, well, I'd be willing to help, but I don't know who needs anything. Why? Because we all keep it under the table. Mm -hmm. We all keep it secret because we don't want anyone to have to admit our need. Well, that's ridiculous. Get that out of the way and say, yes, I am in need. I need help. And your brothers can step forward. And then it's not a pride issue to say, yes, my brother James helped me. Yes, my brother Wes helped me. And that doesn't mean that they're not humble and it doesn't mean that I'm ashamed. Mm -hmm. It means that we're brothers in the kingdom. Hallelujah. And we've taken what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And we've taken that and said, okay, well, then nobody can know. And it's like, well, that's not what he was talking about any more than he was saying, don't pray publicly. He was saying, don't make a show of it. Don't be like, hey, look at me. I'm giving. Somebody over here is poor. And I want you all to know what I'm doing for them. And yeah, don't do that. Of course, don't do that. But that's that's a heart issue. That doesn't mean that that somebody can't come to their family in Christ and say, you know what? I just don't know how we're going to pay the rent this month. And the rest of the brothers say, hey, you know, here's here's 20 bucks, here's 100 bucks, here's whatever. And, and Or we here, take come your, stay with me. Yes, exactly, you know, yes. May, maybe where you're living isn't the best situation for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe what you need is a few months out of that place so you can find someplace new. So instead of trying to always make it about, well, let's solve it with money, mm-hmm. we can solve it with a whole bunch of other ways. We're, it, Christianity, in a lot of ways, has become a, a faith of convenience. And we don't do those things because it's inconvenient. Whether it's about my pride or not, I don't know that I... It'd be really difficult to have to take care of somebody. Or, I mean, I've got five people at my table already. I don't know if my table's big enough. I don't know if we've got enough food or we'd have to go buy some more food. We'd have to go to the grocery store. And I've got three kids and that becomes... You know, we we think that way and we shouldn't. I mean... I've had people ask me, why do you go to Baker Heights? It's on the other side of town. It's like, well, well, because it's my family. I mean, I've been going to Baker Heights forever, and I'm not going to just change that because because it's more convenient to go somewhere else. This is my family, and that's that doesn't matter. We need to set aside all of these ideas about convenience, about worldly importance, about like what you know what makes me feel good. What, what, you know, investing in, and even, even within the church, investing in specific ministries that make me feel good because it's something that I enjoy, I'm really good at, or whatever. Let's just be Christians. Let's say there's a need, let's meet it. We see someone in need, a brother and sister in Christ, maybe we don't even know them. We should do something about it anyway. Let's bring them in. Let's make them part of the congregation. Let's let's make them feel at home because this is their home. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and if you're not at home here, then we need to do something about that as much as we can. But we, this is, this is I mean, we've kind of gone all over the place with this discussion, but the fact of the matter is this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's where we're going. And let's focus on that and put all this worldly nonsense behind us that ties us down and binds us and makes us think about the world rather than God. That makes us want to stay here rather than go home. Because I am not from this nation. This is not where I belong. I belong in heaven, but I'm wandering here in this life until the end. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElgay, who helps make this show possible. If you enjoyed the Crosstalk podcast, please consider sharing it with others and leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.